Now the photo that you see here is Ihumatau. It is the oldest continuously occupied Māori village in Auckland and arguably the oldest across the country. For over 600 years, people there have been turning the rocks, arranging and rearranging them to create stone walls, gardens, roads, houses, and more recently, airport runways. Nationally significant to our nation's history because it was here that gardens were intensively cultivated by Māori that fed the growing population of Auckland, which made it one of the wealthiest areas in Aotearoa. Archaeologists would argue that Ihumatau is internationally significant because Aotearoa was the last point of human migration from Africa. And here Ihumatau, the landscape speaks to the earliest human inhabitation in New Zealand. Dave Vart, a well-respected archaeologist in New Zealand, describes this area as a thin place, a place where the veil that separates time and space is transparent, where the spiritual and the physical, the past and the present all merge. A sacred place, he says, a wahitapu. Dave will always make the point that he's a scientist and he's not meant to feel these sorts of ways. He's been around the world and worked on many projects, but he says that Ihumato, that's the only place that he feels that sort of thinness. This is the sort of significance that we talk about here at Ihumato. There were hundreds of acres of this sort of land all across Auckland, but in the last 40 years, many of it has been destroyed and that Ihumatau remains the last remnants of this sort of uh, landscape. And that is why we are trying to protect it. Tamaki Makoto, Auckland City, our largest and fastest growing. 20 minutes to the south of the CBD is Auckland International Airport. Over 420 flights in and out every day and destined for future growth by 2044. Close by sits the Papakainga, or village of Ihumatau, an industrial park on one side and another to come. Across the fields and to the west is the historic Otuatawa stone fields. 100 hectares of protected land. Next door will be the neighbourhood of Oruarangi. 480 homes, built over seven years in a partnership between Fletcher Building and Mana Whenua. Ideally situated to meet the growing demand for quality new and affordable housing. Oruwarangi, protecting the past and providing for the future. So uh, my connection to this whenua comes through my father who is uh, Waikato uh, Ngāti Te Ahiwaru Ngāti Mahuta. Uh, he was born on the island here and was raised here when he was young. His father's buried here and his ancestors and you know they are my ancestors and so 
yeah, I would say that we have a deep connection to this venue. And you know, grew up here for parts of my life. And this place has a huge significance to me and my family and is a source of identity and a place of belonging for us. You know, this is our home. This is where we feel like we belong and have a place in the world comfortably. Yeah, so that's no, a very special place to us. And, you know, I often feel very privileged to be able to say that I come from Ihumato. One of my cousins put up a Facebook post and my cousin Waimaria came and she asked me if I would go to this meeting because she knew I was already you know, aware of what was happening here in terms of the development and she knew that I was quite radical, uh, some of my thinking, my thoughts. And so she invited me and I went along and it was at that meeting with my, uh, us six cousins actually decided that we would do everything in our power to stop the development from going ahead. At the time that we met, we didn't really know what we were doing. So yeah, we knew that from the outset, what our goal was, but not necessarily how we were going to achieve that. But we also knew early on that we would exhaust every means available to us in order to pursue justice for this whenua. When we started our Kaupapa Six Cousins, we went to our Pakeke and we asked them for their blessing. And, you know, it was sad when I think about that meeting and, you know, I remember some of their faces. They were so exhausted and tired because they had been fighting these sorts of issues for many, many years and had lived through it through their childhood. And... I guess, you know, I saw a bit of, of hope and, and light, you know, this lightness that went through them when we said that we were willing to take the baton to pursue justice for this whenua and to stop this development from going ahead. We then decided that we would call for a public meeting and to ask people to join us in our campaign. And what we found was that a number of other community groups uh, were interested in, in supporting what we were doing. But we agreed very early on that this kapapa would be led by mana whenua, led by you know the tangata whenua of this land, and would be supported by our Pākehā allies. So mana whenua, would, we would take suggestions from the rōpū, and we'd all try and reach a consensus, but we would never move on things unless the whānau uh, were comfortable uh, with the, the, the decision that we had made. And there was always one of us cousins present at every meeting, or one of our kuia or, or aunties. Some people would say that the leaders of this campaign were young people. Some have said that some of the young people won't agree with that. <laughs> but every time there was an action, we would always seek the approval of our elders. And that was really important for us, especially within a Māori worldview. Uh, you know, our elders 
uh, are highly valued in the notion of tuakana teina, and that's about our the uh, the older ones working alongside the younger ones, and learning, you know, and it was about reciprocity, it was about learning from one another, but it was also about notions of respect, and if there was any, ever any internal issues, we dealt with those immediately, so that we wouldn't cause any fractions amongst our core group. And they guided us through this campaign and kept us tika and puno. Mm. Uh, other things, other values were aroha, you know, love and compassion, manakitanga, caring for people, being respectful, uh, kotahitanga, being united. I guess for me it was first I needed to change the minds of the people. You know, I had to get get people to understand why this land was worth protecting and why uh, we needed people to support what we were doing. And then once we had garnered enough support, I knew that then we had to turn our minds to the government who, you know, passed the laws for this development to go ahead. You know, like having a legal background. I knew from the outset that there was nothing legally that we could do to oppose the development because looking back at some of the successful Māori political movements that have occurred here in Aotearoa, it wasn't hard to you know, know that it was going to take uh, mass, uh, a mass presence here on the whenua to stop the development from going ahead. So the purpose of this message is to inform you that Seoul have produced a newspaper, Seoul Times, to encourage you to get behind this campaign and send submissions to local council by Thursday the 5th of November to help in the fight to save this unique landscape for future generations. Oh, I guess it was just to spread the message, raise awareness, get people connected to the land so that if and when we had to make a call for people to come to Ihumatao, they would come. Well, it was hoped that they would come. Thank you so much for all coming today. My name is Delwyn and along with Moana, we are two of the many Save Our Unique Landscape members here today to run this little activity. Welcome everybody to this, um, to the standing for our whenua here. Um, you know, early on when we first started to get, you know, get involved with certain processes that were, you know, you know, going to help the campaign. You know, we quickly learned that we couldn't put all our eggs into one basket and that these you know, legal processes don't aren't necessarily um, conducive to what we're trying to achieve. We went everywhere that we could to raise, uh, you know, our flag or to raise our kopapa. And, you know, I cringe when I think back to 
some of the things that I used to do or, you know, like just to push myself through meetings, but respectfully and of course, like humbly. But I remember going places with my friends and they would, you know, roll their eyes when I would just, you know, ask if I could raise our kaupapa about what was happening here. Kia ora whanau, Kopanyu News is all going and I'm here with my younger sister Kahurangi. Kia ora whanau. And we want to invite you all to come along to an event this coming Saturday from 2 to 3 at Kaitaki uh, Village uh, to support our kaupapa, to stand on the land and to remind Fletchers and the government that their special housing area at Ihu Mātou is unacceptable. Anything that people suggested that we do, we pursued it, you know. If we had the energy to do it, then we would do it. But, you know, we had to, you know, strike a balance between occupying those who came to the campaign and how do we keep them involved, but also not take away too much from those who were kind of doing work already because we knew you know from the outset that this was going to take years and that we needed to conserve our our energies um, in order to the in order to last the long haul so um yeah most of the times though when someone came with the idea i just went with it you know because i wanted to confidently say at the end of the campaign that i did everything in my power to stop the development we pursued everything. I think we stood outside Fletcher Building headquarters every Tuesday morning for one hour for three years. We're down here at Fletcher Building headquarters. We're down here at the Fletcher headquarters. We're down here at Fletcher AGM at Eden Park. But we're peaceful, we're passive, and we're positive. I know. Yeah, and even when there was just one or three of us turn, turning up, or 10 or 20, you know, that was enough for us. You know, we lived by this notion, or we operated by this notion, and Tim McGrenner was the one who introduced this to our campaign, death by a thousand cuts. So every time we did something, it was just another, you know, thorn in, in Fletcher's side or the government's side. It was part of the process. Even if one person, yeah, a couple of people turned up, they were a couple of people that we could convert to our kaupapa. And people come with a lot of skills. And uh, they come with, with time and, and energy. And so every person was an opportunity. Yeah. I didn't really like a lot of the media attention. I actually don't really like talking as much as the media makes out. You know, I really had to step outside my comfort zone in certain situations, but it helped to progress this campaign. And you know, a lot of things didn't work, but along the way, when we did things and we tried different avenues, people saw certain things as appealing. Kia ora this is a call out uh, to all of our whanau friends and supporters to come along to the Ihu Mātau Reclamation Festival. Kia ora we're here on the Hikui uh, in Paihia, we are making our way up to 
uh, Waitangi Treaty Grounds uh, to carry out kaupapa and it wasn't around the protection of Benua. framed as only a Māori issue or a land issue, but it was much broader than that. And so more people got to resonate with what was happening here because it was also about you know, preventing environmental degradation from occurring here in Ihumato. But it was also too about feminism because it was the wahine, the, the females who were leading this kaupapa and were guiding, were guided by, you know, the nannies and the aunties. People saw certain things as appealing and they would join the campaign after things, they saw things that resonated with them. Like the UN, for example, when we went and travelled to Switzerland and New York to present to a number of, you know, forums regarding this injustice. Underneath its provisions. In December 2016, Puketapapa was sold to a transnational corporation known as Fletcher's Residential Limited. We exercise our right to resist and oppose this development. We call on the permanent forum to reaffirm our rights to self-determination and status as tangata whenua to our lands, including the requirement of our free, prior and informed consent. We ask that the forum request that the New Zealand Government withdraw the SHA legislation and that the Auckland Council revokes its support for SHA 62. People thought that was that it, it legitimised our campaign, and they saw hope in what we were doing. And so, after the UN, we had thousands of people follow our campaign. You know, I knew one day we would you know, occupy or reclaim our whenua, and you know, I was already you know up here every other night, sleeping in my car just to be um, here on the whenua and connected with the land and to you know be a watchful eye over what was happening and then the 4th of um, November and rallied up my cousins and I asked them why well, I told them that I was you know interested in, in moving on to the whenua and I felt so passionate about it and I could see the reluctance in their faces and, and hear it in their voices and, you know, they were asking, are you sure this is the time? And I said, it's now. Like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be now. And, you know, what better day to choose than the, the day before the Parihaka commemoration because the Parihaka movement meant so much to us in our kaupapa and to our nation. Parihaka is a village on the northwestern side of Mount Taranaki and it was a movement um, established by Te Witi Orongomai and Tōu Kākai who, who focused in on, on sharing a message of peace a, a message of peace throughout the turmoil that happened to our tūpuna in Taranaki as a result of the, the land wars that started in 1863 and so in the 1880s and 1890s um, there was a big movement led at Parihaka 
and there were stages to that movement as well which include passive resistance and resisting to the taking of our land and uh, it wasn't a movement just supported by people from Taranaki but there were people from out from throughout the country that went to Pariaka to support and to learn the teachings uh, of Hiti and Tohu. And what's really important is this is one of the um, first recorded forms of passive resistance. And Mahatma Gandhi copied Hiti and Tohu. More and more men taken, taken. following the footsteps of our ancestors, we remember. Te Whiti and Tohu said, just as night is the bringer of day, so too is death and struggle the bringer of life. You know, in order to honour that kaupapa and continue the legacy that Tohu, Kākahi and Te Whiti Orungumai left for us, that was the day I wanted to, to move on. And we came up to the whenua and we had a karakia and we welcomed on our manu shiri from Te Tai Togero and I've been here ever since and that was four years ago. Yeah. Well, five years in November this year. You know, part of that was about looking at the history of Aotearoa and understanding, you know, how these political movements came about, what what worked well, what didn't work well, and you know, taking away from those movements what you can and and the learnings to apply it here, uh, you know, for our campaign and for our whenua. And for me, that worked uh, really well. But it wasn't just about uh, researching those past movements. It was also about getting out there and meeting the people and getting, uh, you know, a first-hand understanding of what they actually went through. Kia ora whanau. Uh, Tipura and I are down here. We're down here in Whaingaroa, Raglan, and um, we're here to um, to visit the whenua oh, and to, to acknowledge the whafai. Acknowledge, the, um, acknowledge and honour the whafai that happened here uh, many, many years ago, over 40 years we're talking now, um, that was led by Fire Eva Rickard. So we're at Te Kōpua, um, the whenua which was always Tainui Awhiro, which you can see now, it's a beautiful view. Colonial invader settlers we're playing golf on. They, they used to tee off on the ninth hole, which is extremely tapu, wahi tapu, our kōiwi there. So in 1978, Auntie Eva and our kui kui, they all joined hands on the ninth hole while people were playing golf on the golf course and they refused to move. They decided they were going to set up an occupation. 
But the saddest part for me was, my people were all drunk at the golf clubhouse and was clapping. When I got arrested, they were out there clapping. And I thought I should have been really angry. But I understood their apathy and their thinking. And I thought to myself, one day you will understand. So when I, when I finally got the land back, they couldn't talk to me, right? And I picked up their children. And the children says, Auntie, I was only five when you got arrested. Tell me about it. So these 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds, I had to tell the story to. But it was worth it. All that abuse and, and all that um, criticism paid off. And so we're here on the, uh, the day before our hikoi to, uh, across Karangahape Road um, to really find some inspiration and whakaro around um, our own whawhaia ihumato. Kia ora tātou, ko Kelly Toku Ingwa, um, whenua warrior coming here from uh, Clayton and Monique's house. Um, Pania and I um, have just gathered together. We have come down here to visit Fano right now, um, but we've just seen on news up here we're going to be um, putting our protest from this morning on, which is to protect Ihumatau. Um, the report should be sh starting very shortly. Um, and while we're waiting, we're just having some fish and chips and everything and coming together as whānau. Um, but yeah, we're exciting. Oh, we're excited to see if we're going to make the news. Yeah, very, Continue very excited. to watch. Very, very excited. Oh, it's just Donald Trump at the moment. But um, So my feelings from today um, was uh, quite strong, actually. Um, the turnout was amazing. We had... Um, now, here we go. We're, we're on News Hub now. Fletcher building plans to build up to 480 new homes Yee on the 32 hectare site, which has cultural significance to local Māori, with some families being settled there for the past 800 years. Alicia Foon reports. The message remains the same, but their movement is growing. Soul save our awareness and gain local support to protect a historic site in danger of becoming a real estate development. The road they walk today is Karanga Hape, named after Hape, the ancestor and protector of the iwi Te Waiohua Waikato. We are only getting stronger and our fight will keep going until we see that the land is protected Organiser Panya Newton says her group Soul was formed two years ago to protect the sacred site from Fletcher Building's plan to build 480 homes there. But Newton says the campaign is being overlooked. We've taken the issue to the United Nations, we've taken it to the Select Committee at Parliament and they're ignoring our pleas despite the United Nations recommending that the status of a special housing area needs to be re-evaluated. Yeah, now she's having dinner with her father. Every Tuesday night from 6 to 8, we would meet at a soul hui. And that went for something like four years. And I must say too that it was some of our kuia, our soul uh, nannies and aunties that kept those meetings, that would you know, continuously turn up to these meetings because they loved the kaupapa and because, because they constantly turned up. 
Are they maintained the ahi? Oh, yeah, the ahi for this kaupapa. So when I used to slack off and you know get lazy or distracted by what my mates were doing or what was happening, I would those nannies and the thought of them sitting out in the cold in that shed would snap me back into into the kaupapa. So yeah. Over the last couple of days, we've been making our way from Auckland to Wellington with the intention of marching on Parliament steps to submit our petition calling on the government to prevent Fletcher Building Limited's development, prevent a land confrontation and protect the whenua ihumato for future generations. About 300 people were at Parliament today to present an 18,000 signature petition calling for a halt to the 480 home development. Mariana Johnson was there. It was a sea of red, white and black as protesters descended upon Parliament, waving Tenoranga Teretanga flags and chanting, we will fight for Ihu Mātou forever. Because prior to the election of this government, the Labour Party in particular stood with Ihu Mātou. And I was disappointed to see over the last couple of years that they had turned their back on us. In the later years of, of the national government, Labour were very supportive of what we were doing here and a number of ministers had actually come to visit and show support and you know we thought our chances of being successful in the protection of our land would be through a Labour government but when they got into power we didn't hear anything from them you know yeah so it was very frustrating yeah. Today we've wrapped up um, our case in the Environment Court and um, I'm feeling a sense of relief uh, that it's over. Yeah, I've relieved as well that um, we're going to expect an outcome from the court in a, within three months' time. Uh, so that gives us a bit of time to remain here on the whenua um, without any disturbance from Fletcher's or anybody else. You know, we're always uh, hopeful that some of these legal processes you would, would go in, in our favour. You know, with, with those actions, there was always you know, an opportunity to convert people to what we were doing. And too, so that we could say and look back and, and confidently say that we did everything in our power to exhaust every legal means and... And for us, looking back now, very much highlights the flaws in our constitutional framework mm. and how things happen here in Aotearoa. All those legal processes just helped us to mobilise the people that were required to change the uh, minds of the decision-makers. Morena Vano. Um, it's a beautiful Monday morning today. Uh, we're coming to you live from Kaitaki Village here at the um, land reclamation. I've been woken up early this morning by um, a very noisy helicopter. So yesterday we had a group of about 
a hundred people down here uh, on a hikoi that was organized by the Mangere Baptist Church and a helicopter as soon as the gathering came a helicopter flew straight over us and was here for maybe 15 minutes was following us on our hikoi and again this morning um, came and was circulating um, the farmer's house which we've reclaimed because Fletcher's wanted to demolish it the confrontation Arohamai, gets closer and closer because the council and the government are progressing with this development and uh, Fletcher's uh, still going ahead with their plans uh, to develop the whenua. And, you know, and I think people that joined the campaign, you know, came to understand that as well and saw what our vision was, which was to mobilise people and, you know, prepare for what would, yeah, one day would come the mass occupation. And I guess uh, that all came to to light when uh, the escalation happened on the 23rd of July, 2019, yeah. At nine this morning, bailiffs with Komatua from the local iwi, supported by Fletcher Building, Māori wardens and police arrived at the site with an eviction notice. This morning I woke <coughs> up and looked up my window across the whenua and I saw a hundred police officers, Fletcher construction employees and contractors and other employees arrived to the whenua to evict us from our whenua taurikura. This is a call out to all our supporters across the motu to come to Ihumato and stand with us to protect our whenua from development. And so when we put that call out, people came and they came in droves. The crowds are growing and they're continuing to grow at a protest in South Auckland. We know that a bus from uh, Wellington, Pōneke, uh, left late last night. Yesterday some of our whanaunga from the Hokianga came down and said that they will be mobilising their whanau in the, in the far north. This was our power and by people coming here, like, I felt like for me that was exercising rangatiratanga. Arriving mid-morning, Rangatira Joe Hawke, who led the 506-day occupation at Bastion Point in the mid-70s. In that first weekend alone, 11,000 people had passed through Ihumata. And, you know, when I, when I was in that moment, and it was hard to not enjoy and celebrate what was happening here, you know, people were united. Tino Rangatiratanga and Manamotu Hake. 
the desecration of wahi tapu and the denigration of our environment, our taiao, papatuanuku. When, you know, those very passionate speeches were given, uh, you know, you you don't often think about what you're going to say. It just kind of just happens. And I think that's what occurs when you're speaking from the heart. Those of us who understand what a green light is, our green lights will take seat here. They will sing waiata. They will bring in raranga. They will bring materials to make poi. They will bring in seedlings to establish marakai here. Because we are peaceful and we are passive and we have been for four and a half years. For us that's when we say, you know, the wairua has taken over, the spirit has just taken over us. And, you know, in moments like that, you can say we, we're embodying the land and our ancestors. We've got Tai Chi at 11 a.m. right here. And I encourage you all to join in because it's important that we maintain our health and our well-being and to keep our wairua and our heart intact. We are here for the long game, not the short game. So conserve your energy. You know, I try to embody our ancestors who once lived on this whenua and how I might be able to draw strength and encouragement from those stories in order to deliver the message that I'm intending on delivering. Yeah. Panya, tell us what's happened overnight. Uh, so overnight, uh, there have been hundreds of kaitiaki, we would say, arrived to the whenua um, to stand in solidarity with our whānau and our marae uh, to protect our wahitapu and this rare cultural heritage landscape. Now, our reporter Tom Furley is at the main coordinate at the bottom of Ikemātau Quarry Road. What's happening there now, Tom? I mean, people are sort of um, sounding to put down their roots as a there's a fireplace just in front of me, and I'll just turn this. Uh, you can see behind me uh, people setting up tents mm. um, for the night, and, and, and definitely an expectation that uh, you know people are going to be here for as, as long as it takes. Because at the back of my mind, I was like, oh my God, how are we going to manage this? How are we going to feed these people? How are we going to ensure that they're safe? And it was in the middle of winter. It was cold, it was so cold, it rained a lot. I remember this paddock here being filled with mud and there were tents everywhere. And so it took a while to really get settled on this, this whenua and to learn to how to use it. People happened many hundreds of years, hundred years ago. It's never been dealt with. Pākehā washed it underneath the, the carpet and, and left it there. And we still have to carry that hurt, what happened to our people in Ihumato, and it's still happening today. 
in here our corridor. We're hurting. And that's caused because years ago they sent people into to devastate our village to take our people and children, our fam whanos. Nothing has ever been done about it. Nothing. Nothing. And we're not asking you to give up your land, but you're asking us to do it again and again and again and again and again and again. Why? And this generation is saying, no, we don't want to be like that and carry this head on for another 27 generations down the line. No. It's got to stop. When people arrived, they had to check in at, the, at one of the portacoms where they were briefed on what the kaupapa was and uh, where they could get supplies if they were wanting to stay, get some contact details in case any arrest occurred as well and you know there were signs everywhere there were people walking around with megaphones reinforcing our key messages which was you know we were protectors we were peaceful you know this is a passive resistance and it was positive and that we were here to look after the whenua and we were here to look after one another as well and too for people to see that our leadership were calm and that they were positive and that they uh, you know, we were, we were caring people and they were respectful and humble. People followed that. during the escalation too and, and, and thinking whether or not this was going to be transformative. I did in many ways feel that pressure, you know, people coming here and, and learning and connecting with others and connecting with the land was for many people very transformative. But I really had to remind myself that that in that moment I had to focus on what we were trying to achieve, which was to put a, a stop to the development and to also think about the hundreds of people who were staying here on the land at that time and who were visiting uh, daily about how we were going to ensure their safety on this land. You know, I'm not going to... Uh, deny that there were some people who were very challenging and that there were tough times. You know, people came here who were suffering, you know, with different traumatic experiences and intergenerational trauma that we, we face as colonised people and oppressed people. Um, we weren't here to, to heal them directly. So we had people coming and who would turn up with, with drugs and alcohol and we would just have to tell them that that wasn't our kaupapa and they had to leave. As hard as it was to manaki and care for all those people that, that came, we were so grateful that people were able to come because it was the amount of people that arrived here on this land 
that forced the Prime Minister to put a halt to the future development. Look, it's become clear to us um, as members of the government um, over at least the past week that things have um, escalated in recent times. Uh, we had met yesterday, uh, ministers met yesterday, to talk about ways to help facilitate um, a way forward. Off the back of the meeting today, um, as of now, there will be um, no building activity on the land while we take the time to try and work through a solution and find a solution. Uh, whether or not that was a formal invitation, we discussed it as a whānau and we decided that we would take them up on that invitation. But we want that in written confirmation uh, first and foremost. And we will continue to act in good faith, but we will continue to hold this whenua peacefully and passively until we've been given that written confirmation. Last night, there was a big increase in the number of both police and protesters, with protest leader, leader Pania Newton alleging that she was pushed over by an officer during the five-hour standoff. The confrontation with police has left many anxious, including a member of Mana Whenua, Kiani Matata Sepu, who says it's now difficult to trust police. Yesterday we were in discussions with the police around what de-escalation would look like. The whole corridor yesterday was how do we reduce police numbers, how do we reduce kaitiaki numbers, how do we consolidate uh, the reclamation happening here and, um, and working on solutions around that given that we're having corridor uh, to progress this resolution. So um, having more than 100 police show up last night during karakia was a surprise. We were never disrespectful towards the police. We always treated them with respect. And many police that visited us actually ended up turning uh, their hearts and were very supportive of what we were doing here. A number of the constables we were working with, or iwi police liaisons, left their jobs or um, you know, came during the occupation and brought koha, brought food and supplies to sustain you know, the, the guardians or the protectors that were here on the land. You know, I, I looked at some of the past news ex excerpts from uh, you know, the late 70s, you know, what happened at Takaparafo and the criticism that Joe Hawke and other Fano members received because of what they stood for and what they did at Bastion Point. And I knew that that sort of criticism was likely to come with what we were doing here in Ihumato. One of the local iwi, Te Kaurau Amaki, they are 
I guess trying to discredit you really. They've made some pretty bold statements. They've said you are not mana whenua, that you're an outsider, that you're basically a troublemaker who's come in here and that you do not represent the people of the land. What do you say to that? Yeah, I've been described as a rawaho, a foreigner. Uh, and it's really sad that you would see uh, these elders or kaumatua using their, abusing their privilege. Um, you know, my aroha goes to them, but my kaumatua and our kuia from our papakainga and our marae, they are supporting us and they've guided us through this over the past four and a half years. We've been labelled as dull bludgers, unemployed, bums, uh, you know, occupy, illegal occupiers and so on. The uh, Māori King and his advisers and um, the Freedom Campers from the Soul Movement and the local... Tell the protesters to go home. But that's not the case. You know, me and my cousins have jobs, multiple jobs. Uh, my, some of my cousins own businesses. Uh, some are teachers, lawyers, researchers, uh, consultants. Uh, and so, you know, we, we just fit in the time that is required to progress this kaupapa. I've been asked how far will I go in this kaupapa and I say, or I jokingly would say that I would die for this whenua and by that I mean I will sacrifice everything. I've sacrificed my career, I've sacrificed time with my whanau and my friends because I know how important my tūranga waiwai and to protect that is uh, for the generations that are yet to come. Part of, part of me was just like, you know, this is my responsibility because that's how I was raised. Raised knowing that, you know, we're a kaitaki for our whenua and for our whanau. And so, you know, it was just like something that was just innate. In the year that we established ourselves, uh, it was at the beginning, or at the end of that year, actually, I was meant to move to Rotorua and start working at a law firm. I decided after a month moving down there that I needed to come back and finish what we had started here and to protect you know, our whenua and our rights. And so you know, I gave up you know, my, my goals to pursue a career in law and you know, my, in jobs and my life uh, in Rotorua to move back here and uh, reclaim our whenua. And part of me too was like, you know, without this whenua, who are we as a people? And yeah, it was it was really nerve-wracking actually. It was really, um, I was quite anxious too. And I was thinking at the back of my mind, like, how can we get this done, over and done with as soon as possible? My name is Huya. My name is Pariyami. This is an open letter to the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Jacinda Ardern, we, the Tamariki of Iwi Matau, are pleading with you to stop the crisis here. You said this is a private dispute. That is not true. The government stole the land from our tūpuna. Our whanau will stay on the whenua until you sort this out. Jacinda, you can help us. We're scared our people are getting hurt. Please act fast, protect our whenua from destruction. To everyone watching this, please email Jacinda and tell her to take immediate action. We are the kaitiaki of Ihumatau.
Are you concerned things could escalate at Ihumatau while you're away? Well, certainly I was felt very aware and leaving um, the situation. Uh, the visit to Tokelau was planned many, many months ago. I just couldn't let people down. Ardern personally instructed media not to ask about Ihumatau. Her office even threatened to restrict access to the Prime Minister for the rest of the trip if we did. Are you comfortable with our access to you being threatened for asking about Ihumatau? I don't know what you're talking about, I'm sorry. If she doesn't take up our invitation, on Thursday, the 22nd of August, we will march from Ihumatau to her office in Mount Albert, Auckland, to hand-deliver our new petition. The Prime Minister wouldn't come to them, so several hundred people braved torrential rain today to take their message to her. The 17-kilometre Hekoi wound its way from Mangari to Jacinda Ardern's office in Mount Albert, with protesters presenting a giant invitation to the Prime Minister to visit the disputed Ehumato site. Our tamariki here can lead our hikoi, and they'll be hopping off at Mangere Bridge, so they can lead us for our first part Nefano. To make sure those of us who are doing the full hikoi, we are in for about five hours of hikoi. I'm saying hopeful, but I don't accept her justification as to why she won't come and visit. Uh, at some stage, the Crown has to take responsibility for the land confiscation in 1863 and then again in 2016. And then how do you think this is going to be resolved otherwise? This is going on 30 days now. Um, how long are you willing to stick it out? For as long as it takes. We've been on the land for nearly three years now and we've always said that we'll um, hold the land for as long as we can until we find a resolution for the protection of Ihumatau. The pressure is back on the government to sort out the Ehumato land dispute with the Māori King and Mana Whenua today clear and united in their hope to see the land returned. Kingi Tuhetia has urged the government to negotiate with Fletchers to give the South Auckland land back to the people he says are its rightful owners. Yeah, we were doing most of the mahi inside the room for a very long time, but then when the Kingitanga came and put their flag up, we felt like it was okay for us to relinquish that responsibility or to pass that responsibility on to the Kingitanga. So it was, it was in a sense, a strategic move for us to just let that one go so that we can focus on the other things that we were required to do for the campaign. And we trust the Kingitanga and um, have been really grateful too that they've been able to broker those relationships with the Crown and other stakeholders uh, for us. Yeah, so tonight we'll, we'll hold a whānau hui, um, as we always do with our whānau to discuss the matters moving forward. Um, and it's amazing that we're able to tell them today that Fletchers are packing away the last of their equipment on this whenua and uh, it's to us that indicates that um, a resolution is just around the corner. We were always cautious that there could be a possibility that they might come back or that they won't honour the agreements that we made. So we maintained a large presence on the land for some time, for about a year, I think, after the escalation happened, July 2019, because it's, it's also very expensive to maintain occupations like these. It takes a lot of energy, and so, yeah, it was about 
trying to work through the government processes as quickly as we could and to reduce the numbers too as as quickly as we could. And and I must say too, it was it wasn't easy uh, staying staunch to you know what we had set out for ourselves right from the beginning. And you know the months and months of going back and forward. There were moments there where you just kind of wanted to just concede on some things because we were exhausted and tired. But in those moments, we just somebody would always encourage us to go reflect back on what we had set for ourselves right from the beginning and what our in intention was. And so we would always uh, push back. But we've got uh, discussions underway about the future of Ihimato. We, we acknowledged that uh, several months ago. Um, we were called on by the Kingitanga after they had had their discussions with Mana Whenua to be able to, to work on it. Fletch has also approached us to do that. So we're playing a facilitative role. Are you confident, though, that something would be decided today? I'm not so confident. And I've learnt that now after being here a number of times and being told that the resolution is only around the corner. So I am very uncertain. Fano and supporters gathered for a karakia to mark a year since police sought to evict protesters who were living on the disputed land owned by Fletcher Building. Um, I think a lot of people did, especially those at the core of this kaupapa. You know, they sacrificed time with their families, worked thousands of voluntary hours just the right for this campaign, to paint signs, to turn up to actions. It's been tough living here for four years and dealing with the, the ups and the downs that come with these sorts of issues, but we recognise very early on, you know, we can only be the activists that we can afford to be. So when people were getting agitated and tired and exhausted and grumpy, we would just, you know, remind them to take a break. Sometimes we went into hiatuses and we were like, okay, it's, it's Matariki, it's, it's winter, and in the Māori calendar, that's a time for us to rest, it's a time for us to wānanga. And so during that time, we would put a rahui, a ban on everything. No visitors to the whenua, no um, guided tours, uh, no groups visiting, uh, no meetings. So... Yeah, yeah. It turned out okay, I mean, you know. After a long-running dispute and agreements finally been reached over the land at Ihumato, the government's purchasing the site of Fletcher Building for almost $30 million. We had a situation that was uh, on its way to being my generation's bastion point, and I was not prepared, and the government was not prepared to stand uh, to the side and allow what could have been a very divisive and destructive period of time to happen. It was with mixed emotions. The face of the occupation, Pani and Newton from Seoul, received the news. I'm both happy uh, but sad at the same time that it took so long, and some of those who started this kaupapa with us um, have now passed on and so yeah it's, it's sad to think about that uh, but also I'm looking forward to really um, celebrating this achievement with Alfano. Yeah it was a huge, it was a, it was a relief but also it was just like a relief that one thing had come to an end but then we were going to take another step forward.
towards achieving. Our goal, which was positive, but also tiresome. Like, I can't tell you how many times the government said that they were going to make their announcement really? about the resolution. It was so frustrating. So for me, it was quite anticlimactic when they made the announcement, because I already knew what the agreement was months ahead of that. Under the deal, a steering committee, or Ropu Whakahaere, will be established. It has five years to figure out what kind of housing might go on the land, how it will be managed, and further into the future, ownership. We are very proud of uh, where, we, where we are at at the moment. It's not the ideal situation that we wanted to be in, but it is what would work for the majority of those that are involved at the moment. And so, yes, yeah, still working through those uh, processes, uh, but we are still very much hopeful that we will achieve the outcome that we set out right from the beginning, which was no development, no housing, and to protect this whenua for uh, future generations and for it to remain as a rare cultural heritage landscape. I guess I, I can't really say yet what the impact of this campaign is, but I can only hope that this campaign will contribute to constitutional transformation here in Aotearoa. Ultimately for me, to achieve transformation, we have to stand in our power. And by that I mean we have to exercise rangatiratanga and mana motuhake as our tūpuna once uh, demonstrated. You know, people people who are thinking about supporting constitutional transformation don't necessarily have to think they need to start an occupation in order to achieve that. You know, we shouldn't have to do these sorts of mass actions or occupations in this day and age. Yeah, you know, if it, I look back and think if it wasn't for those people that came uh, to protect this land, would we be sitting here on this land and be able to gaze out across this venue and see, you know, this ancestral land in its original state? And by that I mean pre-campaign. You know, when you gaze out across this venue, you don't see any houses, no development. And we're working towards now um, conserving and preserving the heritage uh, that lays across this land so that we can, you know, protect it uh, and, you know, for the land to maintain its modi, its, its life force, and, and too so that we can enrich other people's lives by sharing the stories about why this place is so significant.